Sisters and brothers, Dharma masters, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Supreme Assembly, welcome to the Buddhaverse podcast. It's time to wake up. No more Mimi's time, children of the Buddha. Whether you're having a dream or a nightmare, it vanishes like a fart in the wind. Take a nice stretch and rub the mokos from your Dharma eyes, and let's step out to greet the rising of the great eastern sun of the Vajracetika Prajna Paramita Sutra. What we need is a Buddhaverse emerging. In other words, we need Nirvana emerging. It's called enlightenment. For this episode, I am going to do a sutra recitation of the Vajracetika Prajyaparamita Sutra, also known as the Vajra Sutra, the Diamond Sutra, or the Diamond Cutter Sutra. As part of my practice, as suggested by Kempo Sodarje, I chant this sutra once a month, so I thought I would do it here so that you all can listen to this magical sutra at your leisure. Nothing can substitute reading and studying and contemplating the sutra on your own time, but in case any of you beautiful, wonderful listeners have never heard or listened to this sutra, you are in for a treat. This sutra falls into the category of prajnaparamita, or perfection of wisdom, or transcendence of super-knowledge, within the framework of the Mahayana sutras. Prajna is a term on its own deserving of a lifetime of study and contemplation to understand, practice, and realize. But in short, prajna is one of the six paramitas, often translated as perfections or transcendences. But the word paramita means to cross over to the other shore, so as in crossing a river or an ocean. The paramitas are giving, dana, ethics, sila, patience, kshanti, endeavor or enthusiasm, virya, concentration or mindfulness or meditation, dhyana, and wisdom or superknowledge, prajna. These six are the practices by which a bodhisattva goes beyond or transcends the mundane perceptions and occupations within the world, taking on these as the central focus of one's life and incorporating them into all aspects of one's undertaking, so as to turn the experience of the practice of the Buddhist teaching into not what one does, but what one is. In fact, these six paramitas are already part of your human consciousness to some degree, but with generating the intention to do so and then cultivating these qualities, we begin to live in accord with reality, with the truth of what we are and how we exist, with authenticity and genuine well-being, pleasing ourselves, sentient beings, and pleasing the Buddhas, becoming children of the Buddhas, and doing the work of the Buddhas. These six are a unitary expression of true practice, but the five fall apart if one is missing. But what makes these practices transcendent, what makes them go beyond the beyond, is wisdom, which in Buddhism is known as the profound view of emptiness, or infinite relationality, or lack of intrinsic, substantial, self-existing, absolute identity of all things and people. And thus the Prajnaparamita Sutras are called the sutras that give the definitive meaning of the teachings of the Buddha, and are the sutras that most explicitly teach how the world and the practices are to be understood and engaged with. And this sutra, the Vajra Sutra, is one of the most concise and straightforward of the Prajnaparamita family. This particular sutra, the Vajra Sutra, the sutra which, upon hearing, the sixth patriarch of Chan, Hui Nung, had a sudden realization of awakening. And even before Hui Nung, this sutra was regarded as having the utmost importance to Buddhism and humanity as a whole. This sutra was the first ever mass-produced woodblock print in human history, dating back to the 9th century China. There's a huge amount of lore surrounding the dissemination of this text, some of which is covered by Kempo Sodarje in his explanation and commentary to the Vajra Sutra available on his YouTube channel. 
translated from Sanskrit into Chinese in 401 AD by the venerable Tripitaka master Kumarajiva, this powerful piece of human history is an example of the unflinching and uncompromising nature of the Buddha's teaching. For in this sutra, the Buddha is straight up telling it like it is, on the level of ultimate reality. Conventional and ultimate reality are not two separate things. They are the two wings of a bird, without which they cannot fly. Most people are completely unaware of even the concept of ultimate reality, while some people in our post-truth world don't even live in the world of relative reality. The ultimate truth of reality, which is called shunyata, or emptiness, does not negate relative reality, the truth of dependent origination and karma, but informs how one should engage with relative reality, and vice versa, by deeply and single-pointedly examining relative reality, one can come to intellectual and even direct experience of ultimate reality. Prajna is the view, the meditation, and the action of a bodhisattva. It is the transcendence in the six transcendences. It is the common denominator of all things, and thus this sutra is the Buddha's explanation to his disciple Shibuti on how a bodhisattva should deliver all sentient beings to enlightenment. Without such knowledge, a good act is not a good act, but a cause for further attachment and self-cherishing and clinging. Without prajna, giving is not true giving, but is a mutual transaction based on an expectation of reward. Without prajna, patience is not really patience, but a suppression of one's frustrations until the nuisance is no longer torturing you. Without prajna, the path is not the path, but a spiritual accoutrement, making it no different than any other samsaric activity. This prajna is the jewel of the earth. It is the one concept that points to the non-conceptual, or the type of knowledge that brings us to true knowledge. Freedom from the trappings of duality, separation, error, attachments, and confusion. So enough from me, I'll begin the sutra now, but I'll provide the links to commentaries in English from some of the great masters of our time on the BuddhaVersePodcast.com website. I have about six different translations of the Diamond Sutra on my computer and bookshelf, but the one I'll be reading was translated by the Venerable Yi Fa, Michael Charles Owens, and Peter Matthews Romanskowitz from Buddha's Light Publishing. The sutra translators introduce the sutra with the following. The sutra begins with a brief introductory chapter describing the location and occasion for the sutra. Then the discourse begins with Shibuti asking the Buddha a two-part question concerning Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, or Supreme Perfect Enlightenment. According to Mahayana traditions, the Buddha initially taught the means for the realization of nirvana, the cutting off of the karmic fetters that cause sentient beings to suffer rebirth lifetime after lifetime. Those that achieve this goal are known as arhats, represented in the Vajra Sutra by Shibuti. In later Buddhist thought, however, the ideal form of practice is embodied in bodhisattvas, being bound for full Buddhahood, and their development of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Shibuti asked the Buddha on their behalf what they should rely on and how they should master their minds. The Chinese character here translated as rely is more commonly translated as abide, literally meaning to stop or rest. In the Buddhist context, however, the word indicates a mental attachment or hang-up rather than a physical dwelling. Answering the second part of Shibuti's question first, the Buddha states for the first time a refrain that runs throughout the sutra, that bodhisattvas, in vowing to liberate all sentient beings from suffering, should not have the concept of a self, individual, sentient being, or lifespan. The paradox of saving sentient beings while not holding the concept of sentient beings pertains to the Buddhist understanding of metempsychosis, or reincarnation, one of the principal themes of the Vajra Sutra. Unlike most other systems of Indian thought, in Buddhism, being trapped in the constant round of rebirth, or samsara, is not rooted in karma or action, but rather ignorance of the fact that the sentient being subject is not one single entity with an essential self or soul that transmigrates. According to some of the earliest schools of Buddhist thinking, all phenomenon, both mental and physical, can be broken down into fundamental principles or truths called dharmas. And it is the misunderstanding of their coming together and falling apart that leads to rebirth. For the later schools of the Mahayana tradition, however, not only is the self devoid of any real objective existence, so are the very dharmas that combine to create the illusion of a self. 
although it never explicitly mentions the concept emptiness. As a Prajnaparamita Sutra, the text assumes this fundamental doctrine of Mahayana Buddhism, that all things are empty of any independent, substantial, or external existence. The Buddha therefore answers the first part of Shibuti's question by saying bodhisattvas should master their minds by not relying on appearances which is to say, they should not rely on the perceived qualities or attributes of objects as distinct objects to understand the world. In fact, the sutra goes on to say that the minds of bodhisattvas should not rely on anything in the development of Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. So, on the ancient Vajracetika scroll found at the Dunhuang cave, uh, following the front piece, there is a prescribed incantation or mantra which reads, Anyone wishing to read this sutra, first recite the mantra, for purifying verbal karma, blank times, so I'm guessing it's three, it's usually three. Shri Shri Maha Shri Sushri Swaha Shri Shri Maha Shri Sushri Swaha Shri Shri Maha Shri Sushri Swaha Okay, so the Vajra Praja Paramita Sutra. Thus have I heard. Once the Buddha was in the kingdom of Shravasti in Jetavana, in Anattapandika's park, with a great assembly of bhikshus, 1,250 in all. Then, during mealtime, the world-honored one put on his robe, took up his bowl, and entered the great city of Shravasti to beg for food. After begging from house to house inside the city, he returned to where he was staying. When he finished eating his meal, he put away his robe and his bowl, washed his feet, arranged his seat, and then sat. At that time, the elder Shibuti was among the great assembly, and then arose from his seat. He bared his right shoulder, placed his right knee on the ground, joined his palms, and reverentially addressed the Buddha, saying, Rare world-honored one, the Tathagata is ever protecting and mindful of all bodhisattvas, skillfully entrusting and enjoining them all. World-honored one, when virtuous men and women develop the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, on what would you say they should rely? How would you say they master their minds? The Buddha replied, Excellent, excellent, Shibuti, it is as you have said. The Tathagata is ever protecting and mindful of all bodhisattvas, skillfully entrusting and enjoining them all. Now listen attentively, and I will explain for you. When virtuous men and women develop the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, they should rely like this. They should master their minds like this. Please continue, World Honored One, we joyfully wish to hear. The Buddha told Shibuti, All Bodhisattva Mahasattvas should master their minds like this. Of all kinds of sentient beings, whether born from an egg, womb, moisture, or metamorphosis, whether with form or without form, whether with perception or without perception, or neither with perception nor without perception, I cause them all to enter the nirvana without remainder liberating them. Thus, by liberating immeasurable, incalculable, illimitable sentient beings, in reality there are no sentient beings who attain liberation. Why is this, Shibuti? If bodhisattvas have the conception of a self, an individual, sentient beings, or lifespan, they are not bodhisattvas. Furthermore, Shibuti, regarding dharmas, bodhisattvas should not rely on anything whilst practicing giving. This is what is called giving without relying on sight giving without relying on sound, scent, taste, touch, or thought. Shibuti, bodhisattvas should give like this, and not rely on appearances. Why is this? If bodhisattvas give without relying on appearances, their rewards are inconceivable. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The space in the eastern direction can be conceived of, can it not? It cannot, world honored one. Shibuti, the space in the northern, western, southern, and four cardinal directions, as well as above and below, can be conceived of, can it not? It cannot, world honored one. Shibuti, when a bodhisattva gives without relying on appearances, the rewards are also like this, inconceivable. Shibuti, bodhisattvas should rely only as has been taught. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata can be seen by bodily appearances, can he not? No, world honored one. The Tathagata cannot be seen by bodily appearances. Why is this? The Tathagata has said bodily appearances are not bodily appearances. The Buddha told Shibuti, Every appearance whatsoever is a deception. If you can see all appearances as not appearances, then you see the Tathagata. Shibuti addressed the Buddha saying, 
world-honored one, there are many sentient beings who, upon hearing sayings and statements such as these, will generate sincere faith, are there not? The Buddha told Shibuti, do not make such comments. Five hundred years after the passing of the Tathagata, there will be those who uphold the precepts and cultivate rewards. From these statements they will be able to generate faith in the mind, considering them to be true. Yet you should know these people have not merely planted wholesome roots under one Buddha, two Buddhas, three, four, or five Buddhas, but have already planted all wholesome roots under immeasurable thousands of tens of thousands of Buddhas. Hearing these statements, even for an instant, these people will generate pure faith. Shibuti, the Tathagata fully knows and fully sees all these sentient beings obtaining immeasurable rewards like this. Why is this? Because all these sentient beings are also without a conception of self, individuality, sentient being, or lifespan. They are without a conception of dharmas and are also without a conception of non-dharmas. Why is this? Because if the mind of all these sentient beings took hold of conceptions, then they would become attached to a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. If they took hold of a conception of dharmas, then they would be attached to a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. Why is this? Because if they took hold of a conception of non-dharmas, then they would still be attached to a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. For this reason, they should not take hold of dharmas, nor should they take hold of non-dharmas. Due to this reason, the Tathagata always says, All you bhikshus, know that the dharma I teach is like in the parable of the raft. The dharma should nevertheless be abandoned. How much more so what is not the dharma? Shibuti, what does your mind say? Has the Tathagata attained Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi? Has the Tathagata spoken of any dharma? Shibuti replied, As I understand the meaning of what the Buddha has said, there is no definite dharma called Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, and there is no definite dharma the Tathagata can speak of. Why is this? Because the Tathagata says that all dharmas cannot be held, cannot be spoken of, are neither the dharma nor not the dharma. How is this? All saints and sages are distinguished by the unconditioned dharmas. Shibuti, what does your mind say? If someone filled a great trichilocosm with the seven treasures and used them to practice giving, the rewards this person obtained would be many, would they not? Shibuti replied, Extremely many, world-honored one. Why is this? Because these rewards are not rewards by their nature. For this reason, the Tathagata says the rewards are many. If, however, there was someone who received and retained even just four lines of verse from this sutra and explained them to others, the rewards would surpass those. Why is this, Shibuti? Each and every Buddha and all of their Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi Dharma come from this sutra. Shibuti, what is called Buddha Dharma is not Buddha Dharma. Shibuti, what does your mind say? Is a Shrotapana able to have this thought? I have obtained the fruit of Shrotapana or not. Shibuti replied, No, world-honored one, why is this? Shrotapanas are named for entering the stream, yet there is no place they enter, nor is there entering sight, sound, scent, taste, touch, or thought, so they are called Shrotapanas. Shibuti, what does your mind say? Is a Sakadagaman able to have this thought? I have obtained the fruit of a Sakadagaman or not. Shibuti replied, No, world-honored one, why is this? Asakadagamans are named for returning once more, yet in reality there is no more returning, so they are called Sakadagamans. Shibuti, what does your mind say? Is the Anagaman able to have this thought? I have obtained the fruit of an Anagaman or not. Shibuti replied, No, world-honored one, why is this? Anagamans are named for not returning, yet in reality there is no returning, therefore they are called Anagamans. Shibuti, what does your mind say? Is an arhat able to have this thought? I have obtained the way of an arhat or not. Shibuti replied, No, world-honored one. Why is this? In reality, there is no dharma called an arhat. World-honored one, if arhats had this thought, I have obtained the way of an arhat, then they would become attached to a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. World-honored one, the Buddha says I have attained the non-confronting samadhi, am first and foremost among men, the foremost arhat freed from desire. I do not have this thought, I am an arhat free from desire. World-honored one, if I had this thought, I have attained the way of an arhat, then the world-honored one would not have said Shibuti is the one who enjoys arayana practice. Since in reality Shibuti has nothing to practice, therefore he is called Shibuti, the one who enjoys arayana practice. The Buddha told Shibuti, What does your mind say? 
in the past, when the Tathagata was with Dipamkara Buddha, was there some obtainment of the Dharma? Was there not? World Honored One, in the past, when the Tathagata was with Dipamkara Buddha, in reality, there was no obtainment of the Dharma. Shabudi, what does your mind say? Bodhisattvas adorn the Buddha lands, do they not? No, World Honored One. Why is this? The adornment of a Buddha land is not adornment, so it is called adornment. For this reason, Shibuti, all bodhisattva mahasattvas should generate a pure, clean mind like this. They should not rely on sight to generate this mind. They should not rely on sound, scent, taste, touch, or thought to generate this mind. They should generate this mind by not relying on anything. Shibuti, suppose someone had a body like the majestic Mount Semeru. What does your mind say? This body is great, is it not? Shibuti replied, Extremely great, world-honored one. Why is this? The Buddha says what is not a body is called a great body. Shibuti, if there were as many Ganges rivers as there are grains of sand in the Ganges River, what does your mind say? All of the grains of sand in these Ganges rivers would be many, would they not? Shibuti replied, Extremely many, world-honored one. Just the Ganges rivers would be nonetheless be an incalculable many, how much more so their sand. Shibuti, I will now truthfully tell you, if there are virtuous men and women who fill as many great trichilocosms as there are grains of sand in these Ganges rivers with the seven treasures and use them to practice giving, they will obtain many rewards, will they not? Shibuti replied, Extremely many, world-honored one. The Buddha told Shibuti, If virtuous men and women just receive and retain four lines of verse from this sutra and explain them to others, then these rewards will surpass the aforementioned rewards. Furthermore, Shibuti, following an explanation of this sutra, if even just four lines of verse, you should know that at this place every deva, human, and asura of all the worldly realms will make offerings as if it were a Buddha pagoda. How much more so if there was someone able to receive, retain, read, and recite it completely? Shibuti, you should know, this person achieves the supreme, foremost, rare dharma. Wherever the scripture is located, there will be a Buddha and an honorable disciple. At that time, Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, what should the sutra be named? How should we respectfully uphold it? The Buddha told Shibuti, The sutra is called the Vajra Prajyaparamita, by this name you should respectfully uphold it. How is this, Shibuti? The Buddha says Prajyaparamita is not Prajyaparamita. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has spoken the Dharma, has he not? Shibuti addressed the Buddha saying, World Honored One, the Tathagata has not said anything. Shibuti, what does your mind say? All the minute particles of a great trichilocosm are many, are they not? Shibuti replied, Extremely many, World Honored One. Shibuti, all minute particles, the Tathagata says, are not minute particles, so they are called minute particles. The Tathagata says a world is not a world, and so it is called a world. Shibuti, what does your mind say? You can see the Tathagata by the thirty-two characteristics, can you not? No, world on one. You cannot see the Tathagata by the thirty-two characteristics. Why is this? The Tathagata says the 32 characteristics are not characteristics, so they are called the 32 characteristics. Shibuti, if there are virtuous men and women who practice giving as many lives as there are grains of sand in the Ganges River, and if, however, there are people who just receive and retain four lines of verse from the sutra and explain them to others, their rewards will be many more. When Shibuti heard this sutra spoken, he deeply understood its meaning and weeping tears of lament addressed the Buddha, saying, Rare world honored one, the Buddha has spoken such an extremely profound sutra. Ever since I obtained the wisdom eye, not once have I heard such a sutra. World honored one, if there are also people able to hear this sutra, their faithful mind will be clear and pure, and there will arise the appearance of reality. You should know these people achieve the foremost rare merit. World honored one, this appearance of reality is not an appearance. For this reason, the Tathagata says it is called the appearance of reality. World Honored One, now that I am able to hear a scripture such as this, I believe, understand, receive, and retain it without much difficulty. If in times to come, after five hundred years, there are sentient beings who are able to hear this sutra, believe, understand, receive, and retain it, then these people are the foremost rare. Why is this? These people are without the conception of a self, individuality, sentient being, or lifespan. How is this? The conception of a self is not a conception. 
The conceptions of individuality, sentient beings, and lifespan are not conceptions. Why is this? Those who are free from all conceptions are called Buddhas. The Buddha told Shibuti, So it is, so it is. If also there is someone able to hear this sutra who is not alarmed, not afraid, and not awed, you should know that this person is extremely rare. Why is this, Shibuti? The Tathagata says the foremost paramita is not the foremost paramita, and so it is called the foremost paramita. Shibuti, the paramita of forbearance, the Tathagata says, is not the paramita of forbearance. Why is this, Shibuti? It is like in the past when my body was mutilated by King Kali. At that time, I was without a conception of a self, an individual, sentient beings, or lifespan. Why is this? Then, when while I was being dismembered, joint by joint, if I had the conception of a self, an individual, sentient being, or a lifespan, I would have given rise to anger and hatred. Shibuti, I also recall going through five hundred lifetimes as an ascetic, practicing forbearance. During those lifetimes, I was without a conception of a self, an individual, sentient being, or a lifespan. For this reason, Shibuti, bodhisattvas should be free from all conceptions and develop the mind of Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. They should not rely on sight to generate this mind. They should not rely on sound, scent, taste, touch, or thought to generate this mind. They should generate this mind that does not rely on anything. If the mind is reliant, then it will be non-reliant. For this reason, the Buddha says, the minds of bodhisattvas should not rely on sight when practicing giving. Shibuti, bodhisattvas benefit all sentient beings and should practice giving like this. The Tathagata says all conceptions are not conceptions, and also says that all sentient beings are not sentient beings. Shibuti, the Tathagata is a speaker of what is true, what is real, what is so, what is not deceptive, and what is not altered. Shibuti, this dharma that the Tathagata has attained is neither real nor unreal. Shibuti, if the minds of bodhisattvas rely on dharmas while practicing giving, it is like someone entering the dark without anything to see. If the minds of bodhisattvas do not rely on dharmas while practicing giving, it is like someone with eyes under brilliantly illuminating sunshine who sees many kinds of sights. Shibuti, in ages to come, if there are virtuous men and women able to receive, retain, read, and recite this sutra, then by means of the wisdom of the Buddha, the Tathagata fully knows and fully sees these people all achieving immeasurable, illimitable merit. Shibuti, if there are virtuous men and women who, in the beginning part of the day, practice giving as many lives as there are grains of sand in the Ganges River, and who in the middle part of the day also practice giving as many lives as there are grains of sand in the Ganges River, and who in the latter part of the day as well practice giving as many lives as there are grains of the sand in the Ganges River. And like this they practice giving lives for immeasurable hundreds of thousands of tens of thousands of millions of kalpas. And if, however, there are people who hear this scripture with faith in mind, not disputing it, their rewards will surpass those. How much more so for recording, writing, receiving, retaining, reading, and reciting it, and explaining it to others. Shibuti, essentially speaking, the sutra has inconceivable, immeasurable, illimitable merit. The Tathagata has spoken it for those who have embarked on the great vehicle, for those who have embarked on the supreme vehicle. If there are people able to receive, retain, read, and recite it, and explain it widely to others, the Tathagata fully knows and fully sees all these people achieving immeasurable, indescribable, illimitable, inconceivable merit. People like this will then bear the Anuttara Samyaksambodhi of the Tathagata. Why is this, Shibuti? If there are those who enjoy the lesser dharma, and are attached to the view of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan, then they will be unable to listen to, receive, read, or recite this sutra, or explain it to others. Shibuti, wherever there is this sutra, devas, humans, and asuras of all worldly realms will make offerings. You should know this place will then become a pagoda. They will all reverentially make obeisance, circumambulated, spreading all kinds of flowers and incense over this place. Furthermore, Shibuti, virtuous men and women who receive, retain, read, and recite this sutra, and who are disdained by others, should have fallen into the evil paths from karmic offenses in their former lives. Yet, due to the disdain of others in the present life, the karmic offenses of their former lives will then be eradicated, and they will attain Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. Shibuti, I recall in the past, immeasurable Asamkya Kalpas before Dipamkara Buddha, I was able to meet 84,000 million Nayutas of Buddhas. 
making offerings to them all, and attending to them without neglect or fault. If, however, there are people in the latter times of decline, able to receive, retain, read, and recite this sutra, the merit I obtain from making offerings to all those Buddhas compared to the merit they obtain is not even one hundredth of it. Not even one one thousandth, one ten thousandth, one millionth, nor even as a calculation or comparison able to be reached. Shibuti, if virtuous men and women in the latter times of decline receive, retain, read, and recite this sutra, and I fully explain the merit they attain, the minds of some people who hear will be confounded, suspicious, and untrusting. Shibuti, you should know the meaning of this sutra is inconceivable, and its fruition is also inconceivable. At that time Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World-honored one, when virtuous men and women develop the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, on what would you say they should rely? On how would you say they master their minds? The Buddha told Shibuti, Virtuous men and women who develop the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi should give rise to the mind like this. I must liberate all sentient beings. Yet after liberating all sentient beings, in reality there is not a single sentient being who has been liberated. Why is this? If bodhisattvas have the conception of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan, then they are not bodhisattvas. How is this, Shibuti? In reality, there is no dharma that is the development of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Shibuti, what does your mind say? While the Tathagata was Deepamkara Buddha, there was a dharma attained that was Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, was there not? There was not, were the honored one, as I understand the meaning of what the Buddha has said. While the Buddha was with Deepamkara Buddha, there was no dharma attained that was Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. The Buddha said, So it is, so it is, Shibuti. In reality, there is no dharma that Tathagata attained that is Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Shibuti, if there was a dharma that Tathagata attained that was Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, then Deepamkara Buddha would not have given me the prediction. In a future life you will attain Buddhahood and be called Shakyamuni. Since in reality there is no dharma attained that is Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, therefore Deepamkara gave me the prediction making the statement, In a future life you will attain Buddhahood and be called Shakyamuni. Why is this? Tathagata means the suchness of all dharmas. If there is someone who says that Tathagata attains Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, Shibuti, in reality there is no Dharma the Buddha attains that is Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. Shibuti, within the Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi that the Tathagata attains, there is neither reality nor unreality. For this reason, the Tathagata says all Dharmas are Buddha Dharma. Shibuti, what are said to be all Dharmas are not all Dharmas. For this reason they are called all Dharmas. Shibuti, suppose somebody's body is very large. Shibuti replied, World-honored one, the Tathagata says this person's body is very large, hence it is not a large body, so it is called a large body. Shibuti, bodhisattvas are also like this. If they make this statement, I will liberate immeasurable sentient beings, then they are not called bodhisattvas. Why is this, Shibuti? In reality, there is no dharma called a bodhisattva. For this reason, the Buddha says, all dharmas are without self, individuality, sentience, or lifespan. Shibuti, if bodhisattvas make this statement, I will adorn Buddha's lands, they are not called bodhisattvas. Why is this? The Tathagata says the adornment of a Buddha land is not adornment, so it is called adornment. Shibuti, if bodhisattvas penetrate the selflessness of dharmas, the Tathagata says this is called truly being a bodhisattva. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has physical eyes, does he not? So it is, world-honored one. The Tathagata has physical eyes. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has the divine eye, does he not? So it is, world-honored one. The Tathagata has the divine eye. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has the wisdom eye, does he not? So it is, world-honored one. The Tathagata has the wisdom eye. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has the dharma eye, does he not? So it is, world-honored one, the Tathagata has the Dharma eye. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata has the Buddha eye, does he not? So it is, world-honored one, the Tathagata has the Buddha eye. Shibuti, what does your mind say? As for all the sand in the Ganges River, the Buddha has spoken of this sand, has he not? So it is, world-honored one, the Tathagata has spoken of this sand. Shibuti, what does your mind say? If there were as many Ganges rivers as there are grains of sand in a single Ganges river, and there were as many Buddha worlds as there are grains of sand in all these Ganges rivers, this would be many, would it not? 
extremely many world-honored one. The Buddha told Shibuti that Tathagata fully knows the various types of minds of all the sentient beings in those lands. Why is this? The Tathagata says all minds are not minds, so they are called minds. How is this, Shibuti? The past mind cannot be obtained. The present mind cannot be obtained. The future mind cannot be obtained. Shibuti, what does your mind say? If there was someone who filled a great trichilocosm with the seven treasures and used them to practice giving, then due to these causes and conditions, the rewards this person obtained would be many, would they not? So it is, World Honored One. This person, due to these causes and conditions, would obtain extremely many rewards. Shibuti, if rewards existed in reality, the Tathagata would not have said the rewards obtained would be many. Because of the inexistence of rewards, the Tathagata says the rewards obtained would be many. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Buddha can be seen by his perfectly formed body, can he not? No, World Honored One. The Tathagata should not be seen by his perfectly formed body. Why is this? The Tathagata says a perfectly formed body is not a perfectly formed body, so what is called a perfectly formed body. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata can be seen by all of the perfect characteristics, can he not? No, World Honored One. The Tathagata should not be seen by all the perfect characteristics. Why is this? The Tathagata says the perfection of all characteristics is not perfect, so it is called the perfection of all characteristics. Shibuti, you should not claim the Tathagata has this thought. I must have spoken the Dharma. Do not have this thought. Why is this? If people say the Tathagata has spoken the Dharma, then they slander the Buddha, because they are unable to understand what I have said. Shibuti, in speaking the Dharma, there is no Dharma that can be spoken, so it is called speaking the Dharma. At that time, the wise Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, there are many sentient beings in their future lives who will hear this Dharma spoken and generate faith in mind, are there not? The Buddha said, Shibuti, there are neither sentient beings nor non-sentient beings. Why is this, Shibuti? Sentient beings, the Tathagata says, are not sentient beings, so they are called sentient beings. Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, has the Buddha attained Anuttara Samyaksambodhi without attaining anything? So it is, so it is, Shibuti. Regarding my Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, there is not even the slightest dharma that can be attained, and so it is called Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Furthermore, Shibuti, this dharma is universal and without variance, so it is called Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. By being without a self, individuality, sentient being, or lifespan in the cultivation of all wholesome dharmas, one attains Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Shibuti, what are said to be wholesome dharmas, the Tathagata says, are not wholesome dharmas, so they are called wholesome dharmas. Shibuti, if there was someone who took heaps of the seven treasures that were like all the majestic Semaru mountains in a great trichilocosm and used them to practice giving, and if someone receives, retains, reads, and recites even just four lines of verse from this Prajnaparamita Sutra and explains them to others, the previous rewards are not even one hundredth of it. Not even one thousandth, one ten thousandth, one millionth, nor even is a calculation or comparison able to be reached. Shibuti, what does your mind say? You should not claim that Tathagata has this thought. I will liberate sentient beings. Shibuti, do not have this thought. Why is this? In reality, there are no sentient beings that Tathagata liberates. If there were sentient beings that Tathagata liberates, the Tathagata would then have the conception of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. Shibuti, the Tathagata says an existent self is not an existent self, yet ordinary people consider there to be an existent self. Shibuti, ordinary people, the Tathagata says, are not ordinary people. Shibuti, what does your mind say? The Tathagata can be perceived by the thirty-two characteristics, can he not? Shibuti replied, so it is, so it is. The Tathagata is perceived by the thirty-two characteristics. The Buddha said, Shibuti, if one perceives the Tathagata by the thirty-two characteristics, then a wheel-turning sage king is the Tathagata. Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, as I understand the meaning of what the Buddha has said, the Tathagata should not be perceived by the thirty-two characteristics. At that time, the World Honored One spoke this verse, If I am seen by sight or sought by sound, this person walks the wrong path, unable to see the Tathagata. Shibuti, if you have this thought, it is not because of the perfect characteristics that the Tathagata attains the Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. Shibuti, do not have this thought. 
It is not because of the perfect characteristics that the Tathagata attains Anuttara Samyaksambodhi. If you have this thought, one who develops the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi says, All dharmas are characterized by annihilation. Do not have this thought. Why is this? One who develops the mind of Anuttara Samyaksambodhi does not say dharmas are characterized by annihilation. Shibuti, if a bodhisattva filled as many trichilocosms as there are grains of sand in a Ganges river, with the seven treasures and use them to practice giving, and if, however, there is someone who knows all dharmas are selfless, achieving forbearance, this bodhisattva surpasses the merit obtained by the aforementioned bodhisattva. Shibuti, this is because all bodhisattvas do not receive rewards. Shibuti addressed the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, why do you say bodhisattvas do not receive rewards? Shibuti, the rewards bodhisattvas earn should not be desired. For this reason it is said that they do not receive rewards. Shibuti, if there is someone who says the Tathagata either comes or goes, or sits or lies down, this person does not understand the meaning of what I say. Why is this? The Tathagata has nowhere to come from and nowhere to go. Therefore he is called a Tathagata. Shibuti, if virtuous men and women were to grind the great trichilocosm into minute particles, what does your mind say? This assemblage of minute particles would be many, would it not? Extremely many, world-honored one. Why is this? If this assemblage of minute particles was really existent, then the Buddha would not have spoken of an assemblage of minute particles. How is this? The Buddha says an assemblage of minute particles is not an assemblage of minute particles, and so it is called an assemblage of minute particles. World Honored One, the Tathagata has said a great trichilocosm is not a great trichilocosm, and so it is called a great trichilocosm. Why is this? If a great trichilocosm was really existent, then it would be a unified entity. The Tathagata says a unified entity is not a unified entity, and so it is called a unified entity. Shibuti, a unified entity cannot be spoken of. Only ordinary people are attached to this matter. Shibuti, if someone says the Buddha has spoken of the view of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan, Shibuti, what does your mind say? This person understands the meaning of what I have said, do they not? World Honored One, this person does not understand the meaning of what the Tathagata has said. Why is this? The World Honored One says the view of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan is not the view of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. So it is called the view of a self, an individual, sentient being, or lifespan. Shibuti, those who develop the mind of Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, should regard all dharmas by knowing like this, seeing like this, believing and understanding like this without giving rise to a conception of dharmas. Shibuti, what is said to be a conception of dharmas, the Tathagata says, is not a conception of dharmas, and so it is called a conception of dharmas. Shibuti, if there is someone who fills the immeasurable Asamkya worlds with the seven treasures and uses them to practice giving, and if there are virtuous men and women who develop the mind of a bodhisattva, and take even just four lines of verse from this sutra, receiving, retaining, reading, and reciting them, and expounding them to others, their reward will surpass those. How would you say they expound it to others? By not holding on to appearances, immovable like thusness. Why is this? All conditioned dharmas are like a dream, an illusion, a bubble, a shadow, like dew and like lightning, thus they should be perceived. After Buddha had spoken this sutra, the elder Shibuti, with all the bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, upasikas, and the devas, humans, and asuras of all worldly realms heard what the Buddha had said, and were all greatly pleased, believing, receiving, honoring, and practicing it. So, as this sutra says, in order to gain an unbelievable, incalculable amount of merit, which I would like, which makes me not a bodhisattva, that I should explain a few lines of this sutra, which I will now do. And really the consistent theme of this sutra that I think could use some explaining is the Buddha saying that X is not really X, thus we call it X. So if you understand one aspect of this text, then you understand the whole thing. Thus if you understand one dharma, you understand all dharmas. And so I chose a rather random example out of many to talk about. Where the Buddha says, Shabuti, if virtuous men and women were to grind a great trichilocosm into minute particles, what does your mind say? This assemblage of minute particles would be many, would it not? Extremely many, world-honored one. Why is this? 
If the assemblage of minute particles was really existent, then the Buddha would not have spoken of an assemblage of minute particles. How is this? The Buddha says an assemblage of minute particles is not an assemblage of minute particles, and so it is called an assemblage of minute particles. End quote. This great trichilocosm, or cosmos of a billion galaxy clusters, if you took those celestial bodies and ground them up into dust or atoms or whatever, that would be a lot of dust particles. But the text says, if this assemblage of minute particles was really existent, then the Buddha would not have spoken of an assemblage of minute particles. This part of the sutra is interesting because it is dealing with particle physics, and the latest frontier of physics is called quantum cosmology, or the way in which the vastly enormous celestial bodies that our galaxy is made up of are all made of buzzing particles of energy so small we don't even really know what they are or what they're doing at the deepest level, which could inform the way that universes form way beyond Newtonian mechanics. So on this relative level, a scientist usually would say, there are atoms, and there are protons, there are quarks, and that they are really there, which is why anything exists at all. And yes, they would admit that our experience of them is formed by the senses and signals to the brain. But how could you be listening to this podcast if your device was not made of minute particles? But Shibuti rightly says, If this assemblage of minute particles was really existent, then the Buddha would not have spoken of an assemblage of minute particles. So what this means is, if there really were such a thing that really, intrinsically, actually, objectively, absolutely was a minute particle, we would never see it. If it was a Kantian ding an zig, or a thing in itself, and was truly itself, not composed of parts, not related to anything else but itself, we would never see it. It would be in a world all of its own, and those of us that are in relative reality, that see each other, that are composed of parts, that are relational, selfless beings, would have no knowledge of such a thing. Because that particle is empty of itself, we are able to call it a particle. Only particles that are empty of being particles are able to coagulate and take form and make things. So the Buddha says, an assemblage of minute particles is not an assemblage of minute particles. And so it is called an assemblage of minute particles. So then what is this not a minute particle? It itself is an assemblage of even more minute particles. And those minute particles, I'm guessing, are an assemblage of more minute particles. Just as a body is really just organs, which are really just cells, which are really just atoms, which are really just subatomic particles, which are really just Buddha knows what, at every level, the Dharma, the thing, what you are separating out from all other things, is merely a name, a designation of an appearance, a dream, a mirage, a shadow, a bubble, a drop of dew and lightning composed of parts, totally devoid of a self-nature, and yet apparent and able to act in a causal way, depending on one's conditioning. A construct of the mind due to our collective delusions, assumptions, and expectations. This reasoning actually leads to an ingenious system of Buddhist logic called Apoha theory that states that a dog doesn't have a universal quality called dogness, it just doesn't have non-dogness. Meaning a dog is not a dog, it just isn't a non-dog. But that is a whole other podcast. Anyway, if things were not empty, they would not exist at all. Or would exist in a way that would be completely unavailable to the senses and not worth mentioning. There are also other angles to this dealing with impermanence, such as past, present, and future, that if something existed right now and you say this really exists, then this that that you pointed to is now the past. And the this was the this of then, and the this of now is a different thing. And the this of now never stands still, so for something to really exist, it would have to never change, which means a, that it's not composed of parts, and b, it again rests in this solitary netherworld where nothing can change it. And there's also the beginning, middle, and end problem that states if something really exists, it would have to have a beginning, a point at which it actually started. And if that beginning were to actually exist, that beginning would have to have a beginning that really existed, and so on into an infinite regress. And the same goes for middle and an end to the thing. And so it is with all dharmas, both Buddha dharmas and regular mundane dharmas. The Buddha says, even the dharma must be abandoned, even more so what is not dharma. 
Buddhism is the only thing that I can think of in the world that even denies itself, so to speak. The Buddha is empty of any Buddha-ness, and there is no awakening, no bodhisattvas, and no sentient beings, and yet here we are. So to practice with this level of truth in mind, or not in mind, with this underlying theme of freedom and non-attachment, is the practice of no practice. Thus it is called practice. To go beyond appearances and concepts is the real practice, the real meditation, because at the ultimate level of our true nature, Buddha, the Tathagatas, or the Dharmakaya, meaning what we actually are at the innermost level, is already beyond concepts. It's empty of everything, even emptiness, which is why the Buddha said, If I am seen by sight or sought by sound, this person walks the wrong path, unable to see Tathagata. At the relative level, our concepts can shape our experiences and make us suffer, and our attachment to relative reality compounds our confusion and points us away from our nature, away from emptiness, and we grasp outside ourselves for satisfaction and truth. But since this seemingly relative reality is already completely empty of any intrinsic existence, it's already ultimate reality. You don't have to get there, you just have to realize it for what it is that we are prajna itself. But the real thing is obviously above my pay grade, which is going beyond just understanding ultimate truth in words and saying everything is empty, which anyone can do. The real thing is seeing your nature yourself through the deepest level of dhyana, and then incorporating prajna to go beyond even that, going beyond the desire, form, and formless realms, and reaching the inconceivable state of an omniscient Buddha which I feel silly even talking about because I can barely stabilize a visualization for 30 seconds. But I think cultivating an intuition for the awareness of prajna is the first step towards grasping some truth, which really is a tall order because we instinctually don't think things are empty. We still are attached to forms and concepts, and we don't have stable concentration and diligent and great compassion and transcendent wisdom, and we haven't steeped ourselves in this view to the point where we actually do see things as empty, intellectually and literally, which takes time and effort. And what's worse is, no one in our lives knows or shares the viewpoint of wisdom, and few care to find out the actual nature of reality, which is why our world is so screwed up and we treat each other like poop on a shoe. It also is why the Sangha, the spiritual community, the transcendent support group, is the greatest treasure that there is. So what Buddha is teaching is not the blanket denial of all truths, and that all you have to do is shut up and not think and you'll be enlightened. What he's showing is that things do exist, and in what way, and how one can use this information to get to the point where we see reality in its utmost glory for the benefit of one's relative self and relative others. One's ultimate self, the selfless self, doesn't need to be benefited. So that's my rant. And if you would like, please share this on your favorite social media doodads and give us a five-star rating on your favorite streaming sites. And remember to dedicate your illusory merits to all the illusory sentient beings so that they transcend the illusory bodhisattva levels and realize illusory nirvana. Ami Tofo.